Our sacred text this morning can be found in the book of John, chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. And if you have your pew Bible, you'll find it on page 103 of the New Testament. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. So do you like that reading? Mm-hmm. No one's tired of all the love mushy stuff? That's good. That's good. Um, so, I once had somebody tell me uh, that I wasn't preaching enough from the Bible, and I said, what do you mean? I just preached weeks about love. And they said, well, what does that have to do with the Bible? <laughs> I literally had that happen to me. Can you believe it? <laughs> so... But um, it's amazing. I mean, I I titled the sermon, Love is the Answer. Is there anyone who disagrees with that? But after that, it all gets hard, doesn't it? Actually, it starts out hard. (laughs) (laughs) That's hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, I find it amazing in... uh, in human history, uh, I think because actually building authentic, loving, sustainable relationships, because it's actually harder than a lot of other things to try, we try a lot of other things. Um, I mean, we know it. We know it whether it's in our families or in friendships. Uh, you know. Sure that most of you somewhere in your lifetime had someone who you thought was a good friend, and and maybe the sense I know the word that I think of is what happened. I feel like there was a betrayal somewhere. What happened? How did this relationship fall away? You know, and sometimes it just disappears, um, and sometimes there's some traumatic event that happens. I don't know which one's worse. Um, and uh, but you know it, it, this love stuff is difficult, but it's it, for me. It all starts with one 
basic truth. And I think it's this truth that makes it the most difficult. Um, We hear in Scripture, we've been taught, we might even believe, that God is love. And that has meant that God unconditionally loves us. We're created in the image and likeness of God. We are unconditionally loved. Now, does anybody disagree with that? That God unconditionally loves us? If we're unconditionally loved, we don't have to earn the love. Anybody ever felt like you had to earn God's love? If I didn't do something right, maybe God wouldn't love me anymore? I think that's passed through the mind and heart of many of us. And it's the fundamental issue that makes it difficult for us to have truly mutual loving relationships. Because it always seems like there's a give and a take and there's an earning that's going on. And we all have relationships where it's like, well, I thought we had a friendship. How come I'm always carrying the weight in this? You know, Maybe that happens in a marriage, too. How come the last three times I had to do this? Um, you know, and there's we have expectations, don't we, in relationships? So if God unconditionally loves us, um, we have trouble believing that because in every relationship we've got, we expect a, a back and forth. And at some point, if we don't get it, we're going to do something about it. Right? We're going to confront the person. We're going to drop the relationship. Something like that. But God doesn't act that way. God unconditionally loves us. God believes, you might say, in our ultimate worth. But we struggle in real life situations. How we might become a model for that. Because part of what it means to be to believe in God is to believe in the unconditional love. <clears throat> part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus is to follow in Jesus' ways. You know, I sat I sat for a week almost a week in the facility where my mother was rehabbing, basically a nursing home. And um, I think I kept trying to figure out how to be loving. Because first it started with my mother. And she would tell you this as she's sitting here, so it's not revealing anything. Um, Summary, I've had a good life. Your dad is gone. There's nothing left for me. Why am I still here? What is my love response to that? I'm still trying to figure it out. If anybody has clues before I go in June, let me know. Um, You know, I saw people come in and try to say, well, you just need a little goal for yourself. You just need a little motivation. 
No. The whole script of my life has already been taken care of. I'm happy with it. I just, there's nothing more I want or need. Except not to be here anymore. How do I love that? And especially if you knew my mom. Um, she tells me now she no longer believes this. But she taught me when there's a will, there's a way. She was the person who always believed you could accomplish the impossible goal. Back in the old days before the internet, she would uh, she'd get on the phone when she wanted to get a good airplane price for a trip. She learned that if she made calls in the middle of the night, somebody would misquote a low price. So she'd call every hour until she got the price she wanted. <laughs> she'd stay up all night to do it. <laughs> you know? And so she had a lot, of, therefore, had a lot of expectations of me and my sister and kept saying, you got to drive for it. When there's a will, there's a way, but... She doesn't really have the will right now. So then I'm also sitting there at the nursing home trying to figure out how to love my mother. And being there six to eight hours a day, I'm interacting with the workers. They're bringing in her medications. Confusing array of things she was taking. They're hardly ever smiling. Except for the physical therapy people. It's the only time my mother ever wanted to leave the room was to do her physical therapy. That was it. Um, I would watch workers out in the hallway. They'd be three doors from each other. And they're shouting personal things to each other in a conversation because in their mind, none of the residents are paying any attention to them. Talk about boundaries. <laughs> you know? And how do, how do I love them when you know, my mother's laying there and she's feeling less and less power of her own life every day that she was there? All she wanted by the last day was stop taking all the drugs because she didn't trust what they were giving her anymore. So not only do, how do I love my mother, how do, I, how do I be loving to all those people there, especially when I see an environment that is disempowering people, not showing respect and dignity to each person. Sure, there were some residents there who they could shout right in their ear and they wouldn't understand what they were saying anymore at this point in their life. But at least half of them did. You know? And they got treated like objects instead of people. At least in my mind, seeing them for a week. What does love mean? How do we actually live it in those real moments of our life? A couple things from this reading. Oh, did anybody have an answer to, them, to my questions? No, but we'll pray about it. Thank you. <laughs> I have something soon. You'll have something soon? Oh, okay. okay. That's how she feels, I guess, if you there, you know? She's not wrong with that. So if she feels like her life's over and she has nothing left to do, I guess you just say, okay, you're dead. What's being dead like? Maybe that'll connect with her. 
Well, I've, I've not tried to argue with her on this. Um, and some have. And uh, I've said, you know, I understand. That's what, I, that's what I've tried to do so far. I, I get it. It's not necessarily the way I want it to be, but I get it. I understand completely. Right. But if you think she should be happy or feel differently, it's like you're saying that there's something wrong with her feeling the way she does. I don't know that I feel that. That's why I struggle with what's the right way to love her, because I would see people come in and try to change your mind on things or you know throw one-liners at her. Well, God must have planned something for you to still do, because otherwise you wouldn't be here. As if God's sitting up there... The uncondit- this is the image I got. I want to get an artist to paint this for me. God's sitting up on his throne in heaven. Right? And above it it says, unconditionally loving God. And God's sitting there scheduling. No, this person has two more days before they die. This person's going to die in a year. This person in five years. The unconditionally loving God. No, that doesn't work for me. Right? But people will come in and tell look my mom in the eyes and say, well, you know, basically they're saying God is scheduling when you're going to die and that day hasn't come yet. Well, that's not my understanding of love. <laughs> you know? So, so then I get mad, right? Which doesn't help me be lovely. <laughs> so. You know, when my parents died, um, one of the things that we regretted learning from my parents is their history, their stories. They were not good storytellers. We always asked them what was it like to live here, and what was it like to live there, and they, they're very present-minded, so they would brush us off. But then when they get older and they don't can't go anywhere, <laughs> like you have them kind of captive, um, you know, we really should have taken advantage of that and asked them, what was this like and what was this like? Because that's a personal history right. that is also passed on and also super funny. Like some of the stories are super sad, but some of the stories are super funny. Right. And so I don't know how your mom is. I don't know if she's very good at telling those stories, but it also brings her back she doesn't like being here, but it's also kind of fun sometimes right. to revisit that. And that is something only she can do. Nobody else can take that place. Yeah. I did some oral history with her a few months back and recorded a few hours, but I don't think she quite has the uh, stamina to want to do it right now. Um, but I have tried to do some of that. But here's another thing that often happens within families. We get someone to start telling their stories, and then someone else in the family says, that's not the way it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want an argument over them. You're right. (laughs) So so that's, because we all remember the narratives in our own way that are meaningful to us. And that doesn't mean that they're literally accurate. That's one of the mistakes people often make with the Bible. They think these stories are meant to be told as if they literally, objectively have. No, they're told through meaning, right? And how we've remembered it to have the meaning that it has for us. You know? Um, so, but stories, I think, are a good thing. A good thing to do. There's also an author, um, Cooper Ross, the program about Yep. And 
she's saying she's at the last day and she's accepted it. Why am I still here? <laughs> that's, that's literally what she'd say to you. But it is interesting because that, her book came out when I was in seminary. So I'm feeling young again. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> so, yeah. um, a couple things I want to note in the, in the scripture passage here to reflect on a little bit more. Um, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Um, you know, I think it actually goes both ways. Scripture sometimes takes things from different angles for us. Because the truth is, uh, is, is, if we reach the human potential, which I think at the base requires us accepting this unconditional love of God and really taking it to heart, then we actually... As Paul will say in other places, we don't need the commandments. We need the commandments to help give us a guide so that we can see that love. But once we actually live in that love, the commandments aren't needed because everything will authentically and rightly flow out of that love. And so, we also hear uh, in here, abide in my love. That's an interesting word for our time right now because people's attention spans have gotten really short. I don't think it's caused by social media, but I think social media allowed us to accelerate it. <laughs> and uh, we're not very good at staying with anything for very long anymore. What does it mean to abide in love? I mean, in a marriage situation, what does it mean for two people to be with each other and to abide in their love? What does it mean to stay with it? To be present to it? To live in it? Um, and, and sometimes that means not trying to fix something, but just just be there. Just be fully present to whoever that other person is. And not, you know, we often have agendas, right? Our agendas get in the way of being present. I'm going to sit here for six or eight hours so I can solve this nursing home and be a good advocate for my mother. Well, no, because I'm going to spend all my time not really abiding in anything, but strategizing and watching for this and studying that. And I'm not saying that some of that isn't important to be an advocate, but it's a different energy than abiding. The abiding energy is an important energy to have. So for us to look at our own lives, I think, even maybe take every day, just take that, God, thank you for your unconditional love for me. Just sit with that. And I know it will happen, probably happen to you because I know it happens to me. I know, God, you love me, but. <laughs> no. No but. No but needed. So last week, um, I was going to say we, I wasn't here, but I did help prepare your worship for last week that uh, Liz and Lisa um, helped lead. And from what I could hear in the audio of it all, uh, you had some great conversation about the vine and the branches and all of that sort of thing. Um, because that's the other part of it. Individually accepting the unconditional love of God is one thing. 
But the other thing is learning how to abide in love in community. Understanding that we are branches on a vine that is all connected. That is all connected through Jesus. Is all connected in God. And you explored a little bit of that last week. And the question for us as we deal with the question of love is how do we learn to abide in love here with one another? We spent some time at the annual meeting last week in Yakima really actually talking about that. They didn't so much use the word love. But they basically said, you know, we spent a lot of time in the last generation in our churches trying to put programs on, sometimes salvage things that were dying, trying to figure out what tasks or projects to do next. But you know, if we go back to the roots, what really makes us successful is not all of those things. It's learning how to be more in relationship with one another. Learning how to abide in love with one another. And the amazing thing, and actually it's all through scripture, if we only focused on what it would mean for us to abide in love with one another and deepen that love, all the things we think we want to do, well, we would accomplish more than all of those things combined. If we just put that energy in, but it's the most difficult work because it requires vulnerability. Who do we really trust? I know I trust my best friend or my spouse, maybe. But can I trust a wider circle? Can we possibly abide in love so that we become the visible image of what that unconditional love is so that others can connect to it and others can say, now I get it? Is it possible for us to do? So, I don't know if we're going to have time to do this today, so I'm not going to do this part of it, but I'm going to give you the questions. Because I want us to start doing more and more of this. We might start doing more and more of this on Sundays. Um, So, one of the things we practiced at annual meeting was getting together in twos and um, building a relational connection to one another a little bit more. Um, And there's some tools for how to do that. But it made me think, and I don't know who you think you know well here and who you think you don't know well here, but even of those that we know well, do we really, how much of their story do we really know? So I thought of this question and a follow-up question that we can try with somebody we know well here. We can try with somebody we don't know as well. Either way, I think some good fruit will come from it. The question is, if I was asking you where are you from you can answer if you want yeah cough it up (laughs) (laughs) where are you from from? yeah and that could be answered a million different ways Uh, yeah any way you want to however you hear the question where am I from okay I'll answer it obviously you're from California. How does be, being from California, how has it shaped who you are? 
to change the first answer. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yes. Yes, you can. Because <laughs> the state doesn't, didn't shape you, huh? <laughs> it's your story. You can tell it any way you want. I put her on the spot and it's terrible. You can bow out any time you want. That's fine. But you kind of see the idea here. This can go a lot of different directions as we explore things with each other. And I'd like to find opportunities for us to to do some of this with each other. Um, Knowing and being aware, you know, no one ever has to participate in something that they don't want to participate in. Um, And, uh, but... If we're going to abide in love with one another, we're going to have to figure out a way to get through the things that, that stop us and say, I don't know if I can say that. I don't know if I can trust that. I don't know. Um, and I'm not saying that's easy to do. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. But what I will suggest for today is uh, now that we're all sitting up here, when we get to communion in a few minutes, rather than having our our ushers help with communion today. Sorry to fire you or anything, but um, <laughs> I'd like you to pair up with somebody who you'd maybe want to have those couple of questions with. You don't have to talk those questions now. What I'd like you to do at communion time is I'll put the communion elements right <coughs> on the other side of the table, and I'd like you to come up in pairs. Um, and I'd like you to... Sh- to give communion to each other and share communion with each other. You can say something to each other, you can bow, you can hug, you can do whatever, however you want to do it at that point, but, um, and maybe that you could do a follow-up conversation (coughs) with those two questions, which could be taken so many ways, right? Where are you from? How is, where are you from, how did it shape who you are today? You know, our God believes. And Jesus was in our midst to show us that we could do this. That we can abide in love. <coughs> and maybe, maybe I can say this only because we're living in this time and it's really hard to compare when you read the history books. But has there ever been a time in the chaos of this world We're abiding in love. Love is the answer. Has been needed more than ever. Maybe it can bring us together. Maybe it can show us a new way. Which is really an old way. Amen.